Hi, I'm Nicole Goodman. And I'm Lauren Mishkon. Every Tuesday, we trial a different self-care practice and report back to you on the results. And on Friday, we're back in the studio to explore more of the world of wellness with the latest news, interviews, emails from our wonderful listeners and the Self-Care Book Club. Welcome back to Self-Care Club. Wellness Road Tested, the epilogue show. Hi and welcome to Friday's epilogue show where we're taking a deeper dive into this week's practice of intuitive eating. Actually, I'm really proud of myself that I did that because it was hard and it was bloody brave to actually stand up and say, you know what, I choose my life, I choose to have quality of life, I choose to be two dress sizes bigger and much fucking happier for it. And that's what I really had to let go of. So tell me, Nicole, how are you feeling since our week of intuitive eating? Uh, I feel all right. I'm a bit there. You know, the meh emoji. Because well, we're, we're a year into a pandemic. I mean, that sort of meh. <laughs> I saw something on the TV yesterday um, with people having tea at the Ritz. And I literally felt like bursting into tears. And I said to Adam, I, that looks so foreign to me that we would sit anywhere socializing yeah. with anyone. <laughs> Having tea. I mean, tea at the Ritz is fairly foreign anyway, but, you know, just to be able to be out and do something really lovely for ourselves anyway. So, look, the practice, I I, I want to say at the top of the show, I think is probably the most important practice that we've brought to Self Care Club. Um, I think that everyone has a certain relationship with food and I think most people could probably better their relationship with food. I'm not feeling brilliant, so... My, and that always impacts my food choices, which, mm. which fucks me off. But that is just how I relate to food. And it's a work in progress, which I've spoken about many times. And the reason I'm so passionate about this particular practice is because food is so necessary, obviously, to live such a, a healthy and well life. So our relationship with food is so vital that we get it into a good place. And I think that's what intuitive eating does. It teaches you how to how to eat properly and how to eat for your own needs. Mm. And what about you? How have you found the week? Fine. I mean, still just doing my own normal thing. <laughs> I love it. Fine. I give just a whole eating, fucking monologue eating, and you're like, yeah, it's eating. fine. It's whatever. No, look, um, I, you know, I still weigh myself. I weigh myself probably about three or four times a week. And this week I've put on weight. And I would say it's probably down to drinking alcohol again. And also the fact that um, two people in my house have got COVID. So we've all been in isolation. So I haven't been allowed out to walk or do anything. So it's no surprise. But do you know what? I've just kind of gone, okay, that's the number. And also because I need to be well and in charge of looking after everybody else, even though I haven't felt like eating all the time because that's kind of my default is to not be that hungry if I'm feeling a bit stressed. I have made myself eat sensibly and properly because I know I need that to look after everyone else. So I'm just trying to be measured about it. That's all. Yeah, you are you are very measured about it. It's a lovely word to use. You are very measured mm. in all generally actually, not just with your food. You're generally very measured. But I don't weigh myself. I stopped that yeah a couple of years ago. Um so I wouldn't know whether it works or not in terms of weight, but this is not a practice about weight, is it? No, it's not. It's not. I just, it weight. was interesting for me to sort of just observe it rather than absorb it. You know, that's the Can number. T- the number doesn't make me feel different about myself. Yeah, well, the number does make me feel very different, which is why I decided a couple of years ago when I got better that I that no machine in the world gets to define how I feel about myself. So I got rid of scales good for you. I I found something beautiful about intuitive eating that I would like to read out. Um, It's actually an excerpt from Evelyn Tribley's new book. And Mm -hmm. Evelyn Tribley is the founder and co-creator of intuitive eating. And she is coming on the self-care club with a bonus episode that's being released on Sunday. And we are so excited about it, aren't we, Lauren? Yes, I can't wait. Can't wait. Our first ever bonus show. She was so wonderful. She needed her own slot, didn't she? Absolutely, for sure. Um, And she's going to tell us a lot more, and we'll tell you a bit more about this towards the end of the show, about what to expect in that episode. But here is just a part of her foreword from her brand new book, Intuitive Eating, 365 Daily Practices, and it really touched me. 
Evelyn says, intuitive eating is a path to personally cultivating a healthy relationship with food, mind, and body. When you can truly honor your internal wisdom and the sensations of your body, you are tapping into a profound strength and dare I say, superpower to get your needs met. Ultimately, the journey evolves into an intimate homecoming anchored in your own unshakable truth. When you are set free from the tyranny of diet culture, you have more energy and brain space to pursue your passions and purpose. It's nothing short of life-changing. Sadly, most of us have been indoctrinated and immersed in diet culture's messages and rules of eating, which occur at the expense of getting to know our own bodies. This causes confusion and disrupts self-trust because we are looking for the answers outside when the truest wisdom resides within. Lovely. I just thought that was a very succinct, beautiful way of describing what intuitive eating is all about. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is this something you're going to try to continue? Yes. And I hesitated because I do want to lose that half a stone. And I know that goes against every single thing we've been talking about this week on the show. And that is part of diet culture messaging. I'm fully aware of it. And there's obviously much more work I need to do around this and more healing I need to do around my body image and how I feel about it. And yet there's mm. still that part of me that thinks, ah, oh, you need to lose 10 pounds. So I'm very, very conflicted. What about you? Mm. Uh, yes, I will continue it. But the next question we always ask is, has has this taught us anything so far? And interestingly, for me, that links into what you've just said, because, yeah, I also could, you know, I could do with losing half a stone. I'd be very happy to lose half a stone. And I, I don't know what I connect that with. That's just the truth. It's not a good thing or maybe it's not a bad thing. It's just the thing. But all I can tell you is my husband's got COVID this week. He has been trying to lose weight sort of before Christmas because he put on a bit during during lockdown and he had lost some, but not 100 percent of it. He's lost four kilograms this week, right, Jesus just from being Christ. unwell. And I, this has made me stand by my theory that it is good and important to have those few extra pounds on to be able to fall back on should something like this happen. I mean, this, is, this week has just, it's just cemented that for me. Yeah. So yeah. right now, I feel like if there was ever a time where I'm going to be a little bit heavier, this is the time. This is an important time. So I'm okay with it. And, and whilst I, I completely agree with you, and of course that makes complete sense for our health and well-being, and, mm. and I am okay with it. Like I'm okay being, it's not like I'm sitting here looking in the mirror, crying my eyes out or obsessing about what I look like. None of that is happening. But at the same time, I'm not going out. I'm not going on holiday. I haven't got a party. I don't have any dress to get into. Like no one's seeing me. I'm not doing anything. So it really makes no difference at this stage. But I do know when life does start to open up, I am mm. going to become naturally more aware of how my body looks. And it, it bothers me and it doesn't at the same time because I think also looking at it in a very positive light, it keeps my weight down, which keeps me healthier and it keeps me moving. I just hope that when we do come out of this and life does resume and you do want to get into that little dress that you will hold on to some of the good things about intuitive eating and you'll stay mindful of it. And that that's my hope in this. Yeah. Well, you. listen, I've learned way too much this week. You know, intuitive eating was a way out of my disordered eating, which I've said. So it, it's always going to be a part of my life because I do, in my heart of hearts, believe in this practice so fully. Mm. Well, Alyssa Rumsey has very kindly agreed to come back on the show to tell us a bit more about intuitive eating and to answer some more of our questions. Alyssa Rumsey is a registered dietitian, nutrition therapist, certified intuitive eating counsellor, and the author of Unapologetic Eating, Make Peace with Food and Transform Your Life. Alyssa is passionate about advocating for women to reclaim the space to eat and live unapologetically. Her expertise has been featured in hundreds of media outlets, and she speaks regularly at events, online trainings, and conferences around the country. And this is what she had to say. I wanted to ask you, what would you say, in your opinion, is a healthy relationship to food? When you look at someone who you would say has a healthy relationship, what does that, what does that entail? What does that look like? So a few things come to mind. The first is someone who is connected to their body in the sense of knowing 
what they want to eat, when they want to eat, you know, what those signals feel like in their body. Um, and, and not second guessing those just trusting like, okay, I'm hungry. This is what I'm in the mood for being able to eat that thing and then move on. You talk about a lot in your, um, in your steps in how to do intuitive eating about learning your hunger cues and your full cues. So knowing when you're hungry and when you're full right now, I have a personal question. This is for me, because this is something I really struggled with when we did the week. I find it so hard to put my knife and fork down in the middle of a meal and ask myself whether I'm full. And perhaps that's me doing it wrong. I did it a couple of times and I actually noticed that I was full, but I really had this resentment because I didn't want to because I loved my food. And I just wanted to plow on through. Can you give me a tip for how do we tune into that full cue in a simple way? So what I'm about to say is going to sound a little counterintuitive, but... Oftentimes, focusing on our fullness does not work, and it experience, people experience exactly like what you just shared there. Um, so, what I generally say is actually try to not think about that, um, because usually trying to force ourselves of like, okay, notice when I'm full, and then I need to stop, doesn't actually work long term, and usually ends up backfiring because it can trigger a sense of scarcity in our body, and it can actually bring up you know, this type of like mental restriction, um, of like, Oh, like I have yeah. to stop. And it's like, no, but I yeah. want more. Right. And it's like this yeah. boomerang effect. Yeah. So I actually find that like, not really worrying too much about that because most people who are eating past the point of comfortable fullness are not doing it because they don't know what that feels like. Usually they're like, okay, I just did that. Like sometimes there's a little bit of a disconnect, but more so I find focusing on What's really important is making the, the hunger piece of it. So make sure you are honoring each and every instance of hunger um, and eating every time that you feel hungry, as well as the permission piece. And when you're eating every time you're hungry, when you're allowing yourself permission to eat any kind of food that you want, um, and when you're eating satisfying foods that taste good and you enjoy, then people naturally you'll get to this point of just feeling done. And it's, it's hard to describe, but that's what people say. Just like, okay. I'm done. Like, yeah. it's not this battle of like, I should okay. stop. No, I should. Like, I'm full. It's just, you're like, oh yeah. I'm so done. it's changing the focus from when I'm full. Like, am I full? What's my, it, but changing the focus onto when I'm hungry and just honoring that instead. That sounds yeah, lovely. Exactly. Be- yeah. Yeah. I mean, what you're doing is very common. It's very, you know, people often turn this into, you know, what some of us call the hunger fullness diet of like, well, I have to eat when I'm hungry. I have to stop when I'm full. And then it just becomes this like black and white thing that, you know, doesn't work because it keeps us in this, this cycle of kind of this restriction and then this responding to the restriction. I'm just thinking about newborns. This is what it's bringing back to me. Like, you know, when you have a newborn and when they're hungry, they cry and you pop them on the breast and when they're full, they take themselves off. They're not sitting there going, oh, am I full? Do I want the left one? Because I've had a lot of right. You know, they go with their cue. Their cue is, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to make sure I get fed. And then they just naturally unlatch. And really, at some point, we stop doing that. But that is really exactly what we should be doing. I am hungry. I will eat. I feel full. I will stop. Like, that's it. Yeah, I, I know. I, and yeah. you say it like, <laughs> yeah. yes, we should all be doing that. But unfortunately, there's a lot of unhelpful toxic messaging everywhere yeah. we go. Yeah. Yeah. There is. Yeah. It's hard. It's not it sounds so easy in theory, but it it's not. And and that's not your fault. It's not, you know, a person's fault. That's the fault of this culture that we live in. That's it's really a fault of like what happened to us that we've disconnected from these things. Um but yeah, so I would say taking the focus actually off of the fullness and rather just trying to make sure you're honoring your hunger cues. And make sure you're giving yourself permission to eat what you want, letting go of that restriction and kind of showing more abundance with food. And then naturally you get to a place where you're just like, okay, I'm done. My husband is a real sugar binger. He, he really craves sugar binger. Me too. Craves Me too. The sugar. Nicole also craves the sugar. So for people who have sugar cravings, is that is that your intuition? Is that a habit? What is the sugar thing about? And if if you should feel if you feel that people should be ridding themselves of sugar or eating less sugar, how, how do they go about that? So 
The vast majority of cravings I find are actually due to restriction. So not that, you know, our bodies, you know, sometimes, yes, it can be stress or low energy or being tired, but the vast majority of time I find that it is restriction. And what we know about, you know, quote unquote, food addiction or sugar addiction is that, well, that can feel very real, like these intense cravings or feeling out of control around food. In reality, when you remove the restriction piece, um, it becomes, you know, less urgent. Yeah. And, you know, because again, I think if we go back to biologically what's happening in our body is our body main thing, it is trying to keep us alive, Mm -hmm. right? It is trying to keep us alive. And when our body senses, even though, you know, those of us who are food secure and have access to food whenever we want this day and age, our body is still wired from, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago when food was not plentiful. And so any sign of restriction, our body snaps into starvation mode or, oh, starvation is coming, like better get it in now. And most, most of this is subconscious. Um, so when we're trying to be like, oh, well, sugar's not good for me. I shouldn't have it. Then that just increase our body, like gets this message of like, oh, they're going to be restricting, like starvation might be coming. And so what does it do? It increases cravings. It increases our appetite. Um, so when you, and this is, this is seen in studies too, um, in like addiction model studies of actually when the food or the sugar is plentiful. There, we don't see these addiction like behaviors, but when you restrict it, that's when you see them. Um, so I know again, this sounds counterintuitive because people are like, well, if I can eat this whenever I want, then I'll eat it all the time. And yes, that's that honeymoon period that you'll go through where you probably will decide that you want this all the time. But as you start to build back this body trust, as you start to habituate to just knowing, okay, the cookies are there when I want them and it becomes more neutral than what people find naturally is that they don't want them as often. I mean, I went through the same thing. I was always like, I'm addicted to chocolate. I can't even keep it in the house. And now it's like, I mean, that week before my period, yes. But otherwise, like, I don't really crave it at all. Like I have almost no cravings at this point. Um, That's amazing. So I think... It's really the idea of letting go of restriction and not falling into this like, oh, sugar is addictive thing, because really, you know, we don't have any evidence to to show that, even though it can feel like that. Um, and then, yeah, like, sure, there can be cravings for, you know, stress or if you're low energy and mm-hmm. like that, again, is your body working. If you're low yes. energy and you're tired, sugar is energy. Like sugar mm-hmm. literally is what gives us energy. So that is your body being super smart and being like, oh, low energy. They got to get through this work day. Better like give them a boost. A biscuit yeah. boost. So it- <laughs> That's our favorite chocolate bar, biscuit boost. Yes. We talk about a biscuit that. boost. It gets a lot of airtime. It does. If you pre-plan your meals, like say, like today, we've had a really busy recording day. And so I pre-planned what I was going to eat for lunch. I had my leftovers from last night's dinner. So I knew it was there. Me too. (laughs) So I knew it was there. Um, And is that still intuitive eating because I've pre-planned it? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think it can seem like, well, intuitive eating is eating what, what sounds good and what feels right in the moment. So like meal planning can kind of feel like it conflicts. But in reality, I think it goes hand in hand. And I think we have to you know, again, zoom out and consider like, what do we mean by meal planning? And what we do not mean is I'm picturing those like Pinterest images or like Instagram images of like seven different little plastic containers with like grilled chicken and rice and vegetables. How miserable does that look? Oh God. I see it all the time on my food Instagram blog and I'm like, it's so joyless. That's the word that comes to mind. (laughs) So yeah, so I think it's thinking of like when meal planning is promoting this like very rigid or restrictive way of eating without taking into consideration your preferences, then that's not going to be really helpful. But if it's done in a way that, you know, is flexible, takes into consideration what you like, um, you know, can give yourself options like, and, you know, done from a place again of self-care. So what you just said, if I have a really busy day, I have five or 10 minutes to eat. What's going to be most supportive is, yeah, having something ready. Um, 
you know, and I think trying to be flexible of like, okay, if you have another day where you have more time and you're like, okay, I prepared this thing, but I actually really don't feel like it. I'd rather have, I don't know, pizza and then giving yourself permission of like, okay, I can save the leftovers for later. I'm going to have what I feel like in the moment. Thank you. I have another question, which, which has taken me years to master and I'm still not sure I've completely mastered it. And I know that so many women struggle with this. How can we remove the guilt around food? Oh, yes. So this comes back to our our mindfulness practice, um, where first bring awareness to what are those, those guilty thoughts? Where does your head go? What, like the specific, like, I mean, I ask my clients this, I'm like, what are the specific phrases that that voice inside your head is saying? What Um, answers do you get? I'm just interested to know what's the most common answers you get when you ask that question. Oh, it's usually something to the effect of like, it's usually like a shame story underneath that of like, oh, I'm so bad for wanting this thing. Or like this food is so bad. I shouldn't be like a lot of shoulds and shouldn'ts, a lot of good and bad, I would say is probably the most common. Um, But really being aware, because a lot of times like we have I forget the number, but it's like thousands of thoughts a day. Um, And most of the time, we're not really aware that we're even having those thoughts. So the first step is bringing awareness to what's going on up there. And then again, using these mindfulness skills to pause and be like, okay, is this thought that I'm having about food, this food guilt, is this helpful or unhelpful? And this is something to explore. Like, you know, I literally ask my clients, okay, how is this thought helpful And usually the thoughts that we're having come from somewhere. And generally it's from like a past kind of like coping or something like that, that we developed this thought. And then it's like, okay, well, how is it unhelpful? And usually it's like, well, at this point, it's not helpful because it's pulling me outside of my body. It's causing me to disconnect from what I want and need, you know, so really kind of, again, it seems really silly, but, you know, again, if we we're not trying to just fix, we're trying to really explore and better understand. And then within that awareness and this continued practice, I mean, it's like a meditation, this continued practice of redirecting your attention of, okay, I'm having the thought of, well, I was just so bad because I ate X, Y, Z thing. And then it's like, no, this thought is not helpful. And then replacing it with a more self-compassionate thought of like, you know, I really was craving that, you know, and so I'm glad that I honored what I wanted in that moment. And the more, this is our brain's neuroplasticity, right? Is the more that you pause and then redirect your thoughts, the more that that new redirected thought will start being more prominent. And the food guilt thought will be less and less prominent. And it might never go away. It might never go away, the guilty thoughts. But that time between guilty thought, recognizing it, you know, changing the conversation in your head gets down to like nothing, like a second, like, nope, not helpful. And then here. I love that. So tell yourself a new story. Stop rehashing the old story that is not true and does not serve you. Yes. Yes. Mm. Alyssa, thank you so much for your time and for bringing your incredible voice to the self-care club. We are, we're thrilled to have you and intuitive eating is very much in our club, isn't it, Lauren? It's coming in. You can come in with a little VIP section for you on the side. Yeah. <laughs> you can choose what you want to eat there. <laughs> and thank you for the incredible Love work it. that you're doing in the world because we need people like you who are putting out that empowering yeah. message to people who really struggle with all of this. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. This was really fun to, to chat with you both. And thank you for letting me share. So should we get on with our favorite part? What the listeners had to say this week? Yes, I would love to. So I asked on Instagram yesterday, have you tried intuitive eating before? And the poll was, uh, yes, I love it. And the other one was, what is it? Because I was really curious to know how well known this practice is. Yes, it's known to me because I've lived in that world. But to the general public, like, is this a thing? Is this, you know, is it like the bloody paleo diet or, you know, it was really interesting. Um, in terms of how many people knew what it was and said that it was amazing, it, 15%. Mm. 85% of people didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was before we started this week's right. practice. Okay. Well, so you, yeah. I was surprised because to me it's been such a part of my life. Yes. Um, and then I guess it's why it made it so much more vital and important that we bring it to the show. Yeah. So that it brings some awareness. Um, then I asked, 
if anyone had any questions about it or any comments they want mm-hmm. to make. Um, Jasmine said, how do you know when you're eating from boredom? Mm. I mean, do you have an answer for that? Like, we're not experts in it. So, Jasmine, I hope that through Alyssa's two interviews that we've done here and perhaps with Evelyn coming on the show on Sunday, that might have answered. But I would say you just got to check, keep checking in with your body, haven't you? Because your body has the answers. And look at what time it is and what it is you're doing. And if you're sitting on the sofa piling away through a packet of digestives, yeah, you probably are a bit bored. And, and I do think there is that tendency in some people to just wander down and open the fridge and have a little look inside, you know. Yeah, well, there's as, a lot as of an that. activity. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a lot of that. Um, Rebecca is very intrigued. And she said that she found freedom from dieting and weighing herself a couple of years ago. So she's very excited to hear the episode, which was lovely. Great. Um, a few, quite a few people just said, what is it? Just want to know more. Mm. Um, Kat says, it's about learning to trust yourself and help you deal with your emotions in a better way. And I completely agree. Would you agree with that, Lauren? Yeah, definitely. Um, I had an interesting discussion with a lady called Miriam and she mm-hmm. said that, um, she said, I heard it's promoted by the H-A-E-S, which is healthier every size community and plus size movements. And I feel it may have been blurred to suit certain manifestos of plus sizes, influencers, and that's the only people I've heard mentioning it. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So we got into a bit of a discussion about that and I explained briefly what it was. And she mm. said that they're the only people that she's heard talking about it. But listen, great that influencers are talking about it. Laura said, what if I only fancy things that are not healthy? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's really, if you are genuine about it, I think it is really unlikely that you actually want to eat shit all day if you're really listening to your body. I think if once every six months you really want a McDonald's craving, have it by all means. But I think it's very unlikely that you're going to be driving for an egg McMuffin every single morning. (laughs) I just, I just think if you're actually listening, you you just don't want, sometimes you want shit and that's fine. And sometimes, most of the time, you probably really don't. It's interesting, isn't it? I was sitting on the couch the other night and normally my go-to is the minute I finish dinner, I'm in the chocolate drawer in the fridge. Um, and I was sat on the couch and I thought, right, what is it I want? I'm going to just tune in. I'm not just going to go straight for the Kit Kat. Mm. What is it I want? Mm-hmm. And I had a little think and I gave myself mm-hmm. a couple of minutes. And guess what I came up with? An apple. That is what I, I wanted. Knew, I knew it, you were going to say that. Yeah. Because I needed something sweet and I needed something juicy. Crunchy. And it was that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just delicious. I felt so mm. happy with myself. Mm. So that's our intuitive eating in full. Um, Thank you all for being in touch and please keep your messages coming in to tell us your thoughts and experiences on what we've been doing that week. And if there's any practices you'd like us to try or any practices that you are trying, we would love to hear from you. And you can email us hello at theselfcareclub.co.uk or go and find us on Instagram at selfcareclubpod. We're going to take a short break and we will be back here after that for our wellness newsflash. This episode is brought to you by Notion. Have you ever stumbled upon a tool that feels like it's been tailor-made for you? Well, that's exactly how we feel about Notion. Simply and beautifully designed with all your notes and docs in one place and the power of AI built inside. It's where every idea, task and episode comes to life effortlessly. Notion merges creativity with productivity seamlessly. Whether we're planning out our episode schedule, collabing on show notes or tracking guest invitations, it's perfect for those who may be becoming a little forgetful in midlife. Hey, just the other day, we used it to map out an entire season of our podcast in record time. And that's why Notion has become an indispensable part of our podcasting toolkit. It even wrote this intro for us. Notion is more than just a workspace. It's our secret weapon for success in the digital age. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organise and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but getting inspired. Notion is for everyone, CEOs, students and Lauren if she can manage to navigate it anyone can Mm. try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash self-care club that's all lowercase letters notion.com slash self-care club and start turning ideas into action and when you use our link you're supporting our show notion.com slash self-care club 
this week at Sukarnov. On WrestleMe this week, we talked about the worst way to accept a Hall of Fame award. They were just trying to, you suck it. You suck, and then he pours milk over yourself. Pouring milk over yourself is absolutely something that, if you did it once in any scenario, people would never forget it. We were just having Christmas dinner, and, and like, you know, he just poured two litres of milk over himself. Or if you're more in the mood for some awkward anecdotes, Alex shared his experience with the cast of Event Horizon on this week's Clash of the Titles. We meet Smitty, played by Sean Pertwee, a man who I bumped into in a bar having never interviewed and literally chewed his ear off trapped him in a corner of a booth where he couldn't actually stand up and get away from me and talk to him incessantly about this film. Later on in the night, his wife said to me Sean's outside if you want to carry on talking to him about Event Horizon (laughs) (laughs) All that and more at Sukarnov News flash. Shall I bring you a little fashion story? Ooh, we've got fashion at the self-care club this week, of course. <laughs> I know. Is it to so do with 20... wellness? It has to be to do with wellness. It is to do with wellness. Okay, good. It is a, it's actually a fashion story that's been everywhere. Um, I came across it on an Indian newspaper uh, website, but I've seen it elsewhere this week. Um, It's saying that the year 2021 is going to bring with it a fresh breeze of optimism. Oh, please. That sounds nice. I know. Coupled with some trends that are going to rule the roost and speak loudly about a shift in lifestyle, bringing forth a new perspective towards luxury while breaking the monotony of uniformity. And this is all about Athflow fashion. Have you heard about Athflow fashion? Um. I haven't. I'm wondering if there is a pause in Athflow fashion for everybody. I I don't know, but Athflow is the new Athleisure. Athflow. Athflow is the new Athleisure. It is leisure. Athleisure. I look. I say leisure. (laughs) It's not though. I'll say leisure if it makes athleisure. The the, the genre of clothing is called athleisure. Athleisure. Do, do you do you see how little of that I I must wear to not even be able to pronounce it? You turned up to a recording a couple of weeks ago in your athleisure. Did I? What was I wearing? Yeah. You were you were sporting oh, my leggings. George from my Aston, running Aston leggings. leggings. Yeah, I don't so, think we call that athleisure. I think we call that things to clean the house in. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's all about how you brand it, which I have a feeling is what Athflow is going to be. Well, Come on, what is it? Where, what is it? It's 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 where athleisure meets elegance and fluidity. So Ooh. whether you want to, you know, if you want to do yoga or you just want to exude cool vibes while watching Netflix, <laughs> Athflow <laughs> is your easy breezy choice for the multitasking modern woman, and it can empower office wear. Are any of us actually going to an office or something chic enough just to go for a walk in? So this what is, is it? all about, well, it's like flowy jumpsuits, wide legged trousers, oversized boyfriend t-shirts and sweatshirts. It could be in linen and Athflow is sort of replacing formal looks with a more casual look. So it's not athletic wear, but it's like go-to loungewear. And this, I was just the, about to say it's basically loungewear. Yeah, but sort of smart loungewear that makes you feel confident and fabulous rather than making you feel like a fucking slob. <laughs> so that's like the idea. I love it. I love it. Mm. I mm. like it. I've probably got quite a bit of it in my wardrobe without even knowing I'm so on trend. I, I am so sure that you probably do. Anyway. Although my jumpsuit today is not flowing at the bottom. No, so. it's denim, which is a little more restrictive, but also makes you feel a bit more dressed. I even put perfume on today. That is how dressed I need. Smell you through the mic. (laughs) It was a nice perfume. Oh, so that's interesting. I'm up for Athflow. Athflow. I'm up for that. Yeah. Okay. Good. But I think we're doing it by default anyway, aren't we? I yeah. I think we pretty much are. Here's my take on it. Right. I think that's what people are doing anyway, and they've now given it. You know, some marketing company has said, "Let's just give it a name. Let's package it up, and then we can sell more of it." Because that is just marketing to at. It's brilliant because then if you type in Athflow into ASOS, for example, a whole load of clothes will come up that you'll think, "Well, yeah, I'll get that," and then I'm bang on trend. 
I'm very excited for Lululemon and Sweaty Betty to bring out their Athflow ranges. I think they will be fantastic. Well, I, I'm pretty sure it's coming. <laughs> Should we get on to our book club? Yes, please. It's the book club. This month's book club read is I Heart Me by Dr. David Hamilton. We're going to be doing a full review on this book in a few weeks' time and speaking to David himself in our author's special. But here is a brief synopsis of the book. That was the day that I decided I had to learn all about what you call self-love. And part of that, a big part of that, was being kind to myself. You know, what we might uh, describe as self-care. How much love do you have for yourself? Not the narcissistic, aren't I wonderful kind of love, but the essential regard for self that empowers you and helps you navigate through life. The type of love that enables you to feel safe and secure in who you are and inspires you to make choices that are good for your authentic self. When scientist David Hamilton realized that his own lack of self-love was sabotaging him in hundreds of subtle ways and more than a handful of major ways, he devised an experiment using himself as the guinea pig. For more than a year, David studied the latest research into brain chemistry, neuroscience, and psychotherapeutic and personal development techniques. He realized that self-love was as much about biology as psychology, that self-worth is in our genes, but trained out of us. The biological drive to seek connection with others often leads us to try and be someone else to win love and approval. But the brain can be reprogrammed. And David devised 27 powerful exercises that he tested on himself and presents in the book to help you. It's to help you increase your own level of self-worth, connect powerfully with your authentic self, attain a greater sense of happiness and general well-being, and create stronger and more real connections with others. How are you getting on with this book, Nicole? Have you started it yet? I have started it. I started it last night. Um, I've downloaded it on Audible. And to my pleasant surprise, it is David Hamilton narrating it himself. And he has... Oh, yeah, the best he's, voice. He's got the best voice. He's got a very gentle Scottish accent and he's got a very lovely energy about him. So to hear him in my ears is a real treat. Um, I only listened up to chapter three and it's very introductory. Um, I felt very safe and excited to spend the next, I think it's five hours or something on this book because it's all about self-love. It's all about your self-worth. He's going to give us, as we've just said, he's going to give me practices in how to do that and how to improve on that. And he talks, he gives quite a few anecdotes of his own about how he learned about self-love and how he felt as a kid. And I, I feel very safe in his hands is how I feel Great. about it. Well, I'm, what about I'm, you? I'm, I haven't started yet. I've been warming up. I've actually been doing a warm up by listening to a couple of podcasts about self love, and I just already I want to rebrand it self compassion because I'm 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 still not quite comfortable even with the term self love. I feel a bit like we're heading into Ofra Winfrey Schmaltz territory. So, well, so, but hold on, mm, but hold on. What's mm, wrong with walking mm. into Ofra Winfrey territory? I mean, I think that's an important territory I, to be in. Uh, self-love just it ain't my bag but you know I trust David so I'm, I'm, I'm warming up bag? what do you mean it ain't it your ain't bag? My bag it's just the concept the it just feels a bit <laughs> a does bit, it feel a bit wanky to you a bit wanky and a bit retchy you'll be pleased to know Lauren in two mm. weeks time we are going to be dedicating mm. a whole week to self-love how do you feel about yeah, that? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not pleased about that. It's one of those mental challenges that you sort of shove me into and then I have to sort of <laughs> deal with my own demons. So obviously, no, not in the least looking forward to that. But there we go. So that's, so that's our book club for the week. We're going to come back with the next couple of weeks and keep you updated on how we're getting on. And then at the end of the month, David Hamilton himself is going to give us an author special and we can't wait to welcome him back on the show. He's already been to the club. He kindly gave us our kindness week. So if you haven't heard of him before and you don't know his work, he um, he's a real guru on the kindness thing and go and check that out. So Nicole, tell me what you have been doing, watching, what have you been up to for your own self-care this week? Um, my own self-care is it's it's taking some work okay and I was texting with a friend before we came on to this record and she 
described it beautifully. She said, it's constantly trying to keep your head above water. And that is exactly Mm. how I feel at the moment. So, Mm -hmm. so I'm really investing in my self-care because I really believe it, funnily enough. And it's, Um, and it's your job. (laughs) And it's my job. I've been listening to different types of podcasts. So that's the first Mm -hmm. thing. So my podcast genre is always the self-development-y thing. I always go for that because that's the coach in me and that's the subject I find the most fascinating. Um, I've needed escapism. So I've been listening to, I listened to the Maxwell's for a bit. That was, that was all right. And I've been listening to Louis Theroux, which he's just so binge worthy. He's just fantastic. Great. Um, So he did a great interview with uh, Leah Remini and she talks all about, she's the actress and um, who was in King of Queens. Is it King of Queens? Anyway, she talks all all about her growing up in Scientology and how she came out of Scientology. And it is, if you're into like the cult thing, which I find quite interesting. So she talks very openly and shares her story with that. So it's a really brilliant listen. So I recommend that. Um, I've been cooking. I'm actually finding Mm -hmm. that really nice because it's part of my routine now, which I know it is always, but I've kind of like consciously bringing awareness to the fact that, right, okay, at 5.30 to 6.30 or 7 o'clock, that's my cooking time and it's very necessary and I'm finding it quite relaxing. Whereas I used to find that a bit of a chore. Um, I have stopped doing online training in terms of exercise. It was pissing me off. I felt guilty that I wasn't doing it. So I've fucking canned that and I feel a lot better. okay. Um, and me and my daughter washed the cars this week. And let me tell you, you, yeah, it was, I've never done it before. It was great. We had a really good time. It got her off the screen for a full hour and a half. She yeah. was active. So it, like my guilt levels lowered. Um, and we just had a great time together. I really recommend it. It was, it was just great. Um, and the other thing I've done is I've gone back to Shit's Creek. Uh, uh, oh, I love it. You've gone all the way. Have you gone back to series one? I have kind of dipping in and out. I'm now watching, oh. I've just watched series four and I'm now on series five again. Um, and it's joyful and it's relaxing and I love the characters and it feels like home to me and it is just making me smile. Do you know, I'm coming to the end of series six and I'm so anxious about finishing it. I am yep. eking it out. I give myself like one episode every three days because oh <laughs> I don't want to finish. <laughs> but the beauty of Shit's Creek is I actually think it's better the second time because you oh, know the okay. characters so much more and it is very character led. Yeah. And yeah. the one-liners that David and Moira come up with, you can actually oh, hear them amazing. all and you take them they're all amazing. in and you don't remember any of them. Well, I don't anyway because I'm all over the place it's just a wonder and if you are listening at home and you haven't watched it I promise you it is just joyful and what about you what are you doing for your self-care come on inspire us please well I'm very happy and you are too because one of our favorite series Call My Agent is back on Netflix series yes if you have not watched this show please do not be put off by the fact that it is in French with subtitles because it is so funny. It is so brilliantly written. It is so sharp. It is, it is worth it. So don't double screen and watch it and be on Instagram on your phone. Just sit and watch it and enjoy it for all its glory. It's a fabulous series. So really happy I agree. that. I agree. Um, it's been a weird week in my house. As I said, uh, two cases of COVID. Uh, the other three of us are tested negative. So that's been, I, I mean, know. what's that about? And not to get into what a whole COVID chat because this is no. not the fucking space for it, but let's just acknowledge um, that that is very well, odd. Look, gratitude. I'm all about the gratitude actually that I'm well and I can take care of everyone. So that's good. It was oh. also my youngest son's birthday. So another lockdown birthday, he was only eight. Um, and very unusually for me, I did make his birthday cake, but I also went and got the most incredible brownies and cookies from a new postal bakery called Nines Bakery. And I I have to give this girl a shout out. She is the most gorgeous young girl. She has set this postal bakery up from home. She is mad talented. And if you are in North London and you need some cookies or brownies, give her a go. And the other thing, Nicole, I think you're going to be quite pleased with me. Um, is this week for my own self-care, I have said yes to offers of help. Oh, that is huge. For me, quite big. Right. And I will tell you why. You didn't take my offers, I'm just saying. 
I did it because I didn't need to. And also you were like being Mother Teresa for the whole of North London this week anyway. (laughs) Um, I had a call this week from a woman uh, talking to me about her fertility journey. And she said to me at some point in the call, "I'm, I'm a really independent woman. And it took me a really long time to accept the fact that I needed help in order to have a baby. And I thought, I just, I really resonated with that. Like, just going, you know what, I I do need help. And it's okay to say yes to the help. It is not a weakness. It is a strength. Yes. And mm, so look, it hasn't been terrible in the house. I've been a bit worried. I've been a bit on spilkers. There's your Yiddish for the week. Um, <laughs> Want to explain what spilkers means? On spilkers is a little bit sort of anxious, watching and waiting on yeah. edge. Yes. Another so word for it a- would be plutzy. Oh, plutzing. I haven't been so much plutzing as really on spilkers, but there's been a lot of temperature taking. <laughs> there's been a lot of like paracetamol dishing out and, and stuff. And, and you know, I did need help walking the dog because obviously we've been stuck inside. We're all, we've all had to isolate. So I, I had no choice but to ask for help. And my sister-in-law then offered to make chicken soup. And no one ever offers to cook for me ever because they're like, well, it's Lauren, so she'll obviously be cooking. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to say yes. Um, And she delivered like a vat. I mean, enough for 10 people to my front doorstep, like three of the largest Tupperware containers I've ever seen, along with a copy of the Sunday Times for me. And, and she's wonderful, I think, your sister-in-law. She's really This wonderful. is Anna. This is Anna, my one of my other sister-in-laws. This is the one who was not drinking with me. Um, and I think it's just a good thing to remind yourself and our listeners that people offer to help because they want to. Yes. And I yes. think people like to help. And I think it makes yes. them feel good as well as making the person they're helping feel good. So... Yes. I think beautiful because a beautiful point I, yes yeah and I think I always present as very capable um and I think because of that I don't get a lot of offers of help all the time and I was perfectly capable of cooking of course I was but actually it was lovely to have a night off and it was one less thing to do that day and could I've got a takeout of course I could but I bet that that Jewish penicillin made my husband feel a lot better than a pizza so you know, that was my yeah. self-care this week. I love that. I love that. That's beautiful and a very important point, And I'm glad you brought that here. So should we talk about what's coming up at the self-care club? Yes. Next week's show. What are we doing? Well, before we go on to next week's show, we yes. have that we said at the beginning of the episode, a very exciting bonus episode coming up on Sunday. And the reason that we have a bonus episode is because we have none other than Evelyn Tribley coming on the show. Evelyn is an award-winning registered dietitian, best-selling author and co-creator of Intuitive Eating. A really beautiful part of Evelyn's story was there's a pivotal moment in her life when her mother was diagnosed with terminal cancer at the age of 64 and she disclosed that one of her biggest regrets in life was dieting. Oh, this I know. How powerful is that? This experience greatly impacted Evelyn's passion for dismantling diet culture. Evelyn describes the mission of her intuitive eating practice and books as to create a world in which people flourish and thrive without oppression so that individuals will know and own their body wisdom and experiences and be unshakable. In other words, dismantle diet culture. This woman is incredible. She's energetic she's loving she's compassionate she's inspiring she's wise she's so funny she's (laughs) so funny and such fun to talk to and yeah she just brought a great vibe to the show we so enjoyed our chat with her I want her to be my best friend do you think she'll she might I don't know I really 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 you know when you see someone (laughs) on tv and you think I really want to be friends with them like you know Kyle from Real Housewives well that's how I felt about (laughs) that's how I felt about Evelyn I thought we would be such good friends um it's a beautiful chat we felt we couldn't do her justice without giving her her own special one-off show so please tune in for that um listen more about 
um, how to dismantle diet culture, how to get away from this bad messaging and how to live by your own rules and your own body. It's very, very beautiful. Right. Do you want to say what's coming up on next week's show? We are talking about no criticizing. <laughs> no criticizing. That is a big old deal. Do you want to give us a brief rundown on this, Nicole, before we we're, step into it? We're basically not going to be criticizing anybody because apparently it's bad for your fucking health. Who knew? Ah. Who knew? So there'll be no having a go at Ollie or having a go at it because they haven't emptied the dishwasher right or they haven't done the washing or all that domestic shit. We are not allowed to say a fucking word. Oh my at, God. I'm just going to buy a muzzle and just stick it on my mouth because I think <laughs> that's going to be easier. It's going to be easier. Um, so that's our week next week. How are you feeling about it? Oh, so worried. So worried to know what a horrendous criticizing bitch I actually am. So yeah. worried to look myself in the face and also worried about the biting of my actual lips that I'm going to have to do a week. <laughs> You'll be pleased to know I don't find you critical at all. Oh, good. That's good. I'm, I'm glad you don't. I don't actually find you in the least bit critical. I find you extremely encouraging. But then we're not married. Not yet no, anyway. Not yet. That's in the future, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. As always, we thank you for bringing your time here. And if you like what we do and you want to be a part of the club, which we would love you to be, please come and follow us on our social channels at Self Care Club Pod. And go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because that is a huge one and it really helps us to keep growing. If you have anything you want to tell us, anything you want to share, any practices you'd like us to try, why not send us an email? Hello at theselfcareclub.co.uk. And you never know, you might even end up on the show see you on sunday for our bonus episode bye this was a stakhanov production and part of the acast creative network Motherkind podcast explores how to feel happier, more confident and empowered in your motherhood, even in our world of pressure, judgment and comparison. I'm your host Zoe Blasky and every week I speak to an incredible expert to share actionable steps and powerful lessons to living your life as a mother with more joy and unapologetic confidence. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, just search Motherkind. Kind.